pat yourself on the back, you found the audio version of the weekly Comic-Con podcast, Talking Comic-Con, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego. Every Sunday, we broadcast live on Google Plus and YouTube, and along with invited special guests, chat about con culture and all the happy joy-joy feelings that surround it. This is Season 3, Episode 8, and this week, your host, Lennon Sultana, and comrade-in-arms Alyssa Franks from the Friends of CC Forum are joined by two very special guests. Shane Chebsey, the creator and organiser of the International Comics Expo, also known as ICE, a creator-led celebration of comics which takes place every year in the city of Birmingham in the UK, talks to us about what it actually takes to put on a comics convention in 2015. We're also joined by Mike Mart, a man with an illustrious resume in comics as a colorist and editor-in-chief who has taken the bold move to head up a brand new comics publisher, Aftershock Comics. Featuring an incredible roster of talent, we talked to Mike about what it means to Aftershock to attend a convention such as ICE to present something completely new to comics fans. Welcome along to Talking Comic-Con, uh, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego. I have, by my feet, my cup of tea. I'm ready to go. It's going to be a fun one today because we have some fantastic people who are joining us. Uh, literally, as we speak, we have somebody who's uh, managed to get into the Hangout. We have uh, someone who I'll do an intro uh, with in a second. But thank you very much indeed for watching. Uh, we've got a number of people in already. Um, if, as always, you want to jump in on the conversation, use the hashtag CupOTSDCC on Twitter, which we do pay attention to. But, of course, the best way to get in contact and communicate is using the Q&A, which is on the uh, Google Plus event page. So, please, any questions you have of our guests, and I guarantee you'll have plenty, because we have two very, very cool guests with us today. Uh, first things first, I might as well uh, introduce my partner in crime. Uh, we have Alyssa Franks from the Friends of CC Forum joining us. Hello, Alyssa. How are you? I'm well uh, talking all things New York ticket line. They just went on sale this morning at Midtown Comics, and the line was blocks and blocks and blocks long, but it went smoothly. Well, I quite liked the picture I saw as well, which was um, when they kind of or organized that all together, and it looked like down a very, mm-hmm. very, very suspect corridor, which kind of like <laughs> says, "We, you may buy New York Comic Con tickets here, but we may also you and steal your organs." It looked very <laughs> suspicious. It was very, very strange to see. But uh, no, I'm glad that it's uh, sounding like it all went well. Is that kind of like the main thing that everyone's talking about on the forum? Yes. Yeah? Yes. Excellent. Yes. Okay, and, uh, well, this is where we now kind of introduce our two guests today, which uh, I will go first to Shane Shevzy, uh, because I want to make sure his microphone's working and making everything's <laughs> making the right noises. How are you doing, Shane? I'm good, thank you. Can you hear me okay? We can indeed. Fantastic. Excellent. Uh, just to introduce, uh, Shane is the organiser of uh, the International Comics Expo. I want to make sure I'm getting your surname right as well, because is, is it Chebsy <laughs> or Chebsy? Chebsy. Uh, you see, this is what I wanted to make sure. Uh, thank <laughs> you very much indeed for joining us. Um, obviously, no we're two weeks past from this year's event. Are you just about kind of like <laughs> out of con mode now? Are you just finally putting things back together? 
Um, yeah, well, I should be, shouldn't I? I should be taking a break, really, but um, I'm sort of hitting the ground running for next year, to be honest. Wow. Um, lots of interest after this year's show. Uh, being contacted by a lot of people, so I didn't really want to just let things lie. And um, so I've, I've, I've invited guests, um, I've, I've booked the venue, um, all sorts of things, really. So I think I think looking ahead helps. So yeah, I haven't really taken a break. No, it's, <laughs> I'm still back in con mood. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that. Obviously, we'll get into the whole um, uh, ice. Uh, and the, the whole convention thing in a second. But very quickly to introduce uh, my, our other guest as well. Now, this was a guest of uh, ICE this year, came over to the UK. Uh, was this your first UK con um, for Aftershock? By the way, this is Mike Marks from uh, Aftershock Comics. How are you, Mike? Doing great. Thanks for having me today. Not, uh, yeah, not only was it my first uh, UK convention, it was my first trip to the UK ever. How did how was Birmingham for you then? Birmingham was excellent. Uh, Shane and the guys. Right answer. <laughs> uh, they were perfect hosts. It, it was a fantastic convention to do, especially for my first trip over to England. Um, it made me want to go back immediately. Um, and Shane has already uh, been talking to me about that. Um, but it was a, it was fantastic in, in every way, shape, and form. And Birmingham was such a cool city to uh, to experience. Excellent. And by the way, I did I brought tea as well. I hope you don't mind the plug. <laughs> it's yeah. cup of tea on the label. Yeah. It really right. should, I should insist. Right. That people <laughs> <have a pint laughs> Although we have had guests on before where they just hold up a pint of something, and it's certainly not <laughs> So if it was a little later in the day, maybe I would be doing that as well. <laughs> Well, thank you very much indeed for the pair of you for joining us. Um, I suppose um, for people who don't know who you are, we'll do a quick introduction uh, with the pair of you first. Uh, we'll start with Shane. Um, in terms, I, I kind of just gave you uh, an overall introduction of the organiser of um, the ICE Festival. But, I mean, what's your background in comics and um, yeah, what got you into creating ICE? Um, well, always wanted to do a convention, really. Um, I used to since 1994, I've been self-publishing my own comics, and I formed Scar Comics in 2004 with Andy Richmond. So we've been putting out graphic novels for quite a while. Um, but in 2005, I met up with James Hodgkins and Andy Baker, who also wanted to put a con on in Birmingham. And we put on Bix at the time. It was called the Birmingham International Comic Show. And that ran for, well, that ran from 2006 to 2010. And it was a very successful show in many ways. And at the top, for many years, it was the biggest show in the UK. Um, and then we stopped doing that in 2011 because uh, I think James was worried that he might have a heart attack. I think Andy was worried his marriage might break up and all that sort of thing because it's very hard work. Um, so we had a break. Uh, and guys are still very busy. Um, still really good friends with both guys and they're very supportive of what I do. Um, but in 2014, I just wanted to get back into it, really. Um, things had changed between 2011 and 2014. It went from, you know, us and Thorball and Bristol to about 30 shows. And the landscape of conventions has completely altered in the UK. Um, so I, I'd, say, I'd, say what, I'd say worldwide as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, in, in the US, in, in, in Europe, things have really changed with cons. 
Um, so with, when I formed ICE, I had to do something really different to what we couldn't just get back into the groove, you know. Had to do something really different and offer something that other shows maybe didn't offer or offer something that you could get all in one place. So a lot of thought went into that. And so ICE just formed really from a need, um, I think, amongst not just fans but also creators. And we've sort of moved into the direction of sort of making it a very creator-focused event. And I think that makes it a very unique event. And I think that's that's really the origin of it. It's just it's just a, de- a development and an evolution, really, from what I perceive as a need um, in the on the convention scene. Do you think that it's also something that being outside of London as well that sorry I'm you're definitely seeing that there's these niche and indeed well conventions and events happening sort of like across the UK and it's there's yeah. at least one every weekend. Uh, I mean when you when you see it in your Twitter feed that there's you know. A, Comic Con happening in Halifax, uh, yeah. which is just down the road from me in Yorkshire. Then you know that there's conventions <laughs> in every corner of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that out, being outside of London gives you also a little a different perspective to the, uh, the usual convention fair? Possibly. Um, I mean, I, I, Ice was always developed as a convention um, before it was developed as a local thing. Um, it happens to be in Birmingham because that's close to where I live. Um, for me, it's something that could transfer into any part of the country, or indeed any part of the world. The idea of ICE and what it does, and, and what its aims are, um, transcend any any local any local things. But um, but I think you, you, to a certain extent, yes. I think um, um, in London, it, it's a very different landscape because you've got a very dense population. Um, you've got a lot of people who will attend cons. Uh, who who maybe won't travel to cons outside of London. I think that is a definite um, thing that happens. Um, but um, to a certain extent, also no. I think I think ice could be put on in London, and it would be very much a similar show. Uh, it might be a little bit bigger and a little bit more uh, densely populated. But I think the, the event, as it is, the way that it's structured, could work anywhere. That's my opinion, anyway. I quite like the way that the, the ICE um, puts itself together. Like you say, as a creator-led um, affair. I mean, you have, and also quite like the uh, the fact that the way that it's um, structured inside the uh, the venue that you're you're in, the studio space in Birmingham, mm. that you have all these little uh, rooms dotted around the, uh, the the exhibition spaces, and right at the top you have the Bond room, which is almost like a VIP section, kind of like nestled out of the way. I quite, quite like that, that there's this yeah. little settled out the back. Um, one thing that really kind of attracted my attention when I went to ICE, because I, I, I was lucky to attend this, this year, was the... With conventions at the moment, you also have those conventions which are littered with tables selling all sorts of things vaguely related to comics. Yeah. Uh, then yeah. with some conventions, it almost d- dominates uh, a, a, an exhibition space. What's the kind of s- the battle for yourself to kind of like make sure that it's a uh, creator-led? Because I can imagine that the uh, the retailer kind of uh, stands do kind of bring in the money, or there's, there's certainly a bit of uh, a draw there. There is a balancing act. Without a doubt, um, because we want to make the show attractive to the visitors. 
So we don't want it to be lots and lots of stalls, for example, selling the same thing like uh, autographed pictures or something like that. Um, we want it to be very, very balanced. Um, and we are looking at possibly controlling the, that a little bit more in the future as, as more and more exhibitors apply for tables. Um, and we may have to curate the show to make it attractive. But at the same time, we do want it to be um, supportive of the retailer as well. Uh, a big part of the comic industry is the retail industry. Um, and I think any convention that ignores that you know, isn't really doing service to the industry. So it's very important for us to be able to um, house a good selection of retailers, and, and, but also at the same time offer an exciting, diverse show um, to people who come and visit. Because I really don't want it to be a car boot sale um, or anything like that. Um, I think there are shows like that around, and they, you know, people who want to go to those shows, they're really well serviced. But ICE isn't really in the business of, 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 of supplying that sort of show. Um, have I answered your question? I think I'm not <laughs> no, you, you got there. <laughs> yes. Well, I got to the end of my question. You got to the end of your answer. I think we've kind of done it. That'll do then. <laughs> um, it the, reminds me. The show reminds me quite a bit of um, Special Edition New York, um, put on by Reed Pop, which is very creative focused. Um, I I would love to hear uh, uh, an attendee's viewpoint of the two shows, who's been to both shows, um, to see it, because there is the focus on the creator, which is is wonderful. I love it. Um, they do have some vendors, but they're kind of a side and um, uh, stuck away from from anybody else, uh, so that it's not it's not predominant uh, in 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 special edition. Um, you said you had plans for next year. How did you go about um, finding a venue to to book your hall? And it seems smart to to um, uh, be contacting the the creators that uh, came last year to, to re-up for next year. That sounds brilliant to strike while everybody remembers <laughs> remembers it. But are you, are you at the same venue as last year? Yeah. Um, I'm really happy with the venue. It's a great venue. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, it, it is a little bit of a labyrinth, some people have said. Um, mm-hmm. So we're always looking at improving the signage so that people can find their way around. Uh, we've, <laughs> we've put lots of signs up this year. But I, I think I might make the signs a little bit too attractive because people keep stealing them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they've got this great artwork on them, you know, and pictures of creators and all that sort of thing. So I think I might just might just have to make them text next time. People keep stealing. Or, I'm, so, I'm sure I'll see them on eBay soon. Yeah. Or you could just sell them, you know, make a stack yeah, of them, sell them and the sell end, them yeah. as, for people <laughs> to get uh, signatures on, for example. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. One, one, thing I wanted to, one thing I wanted to ask is about those guests, because uh, um, I don't think many people uh, realize what it takes to actually put a con on, so maybe you can kind of help with that. When you were creating ICE and when you were kind of, in, I mean, when you're putting the guest list together, is it a case of, okay, this is ICE, here we are. Do you approach people or is it, are, are you sort of taking kind of uh, emails from people saying, by the way, we'd like to come? What's the kind of balance? What's the is it a case of casting out the net, or do the fish kind of come to you? There is a bit of both. Um, I send out invites um, all through the sort of the, 
the after the the last show, and um, I sort of I suppose shake the tree and see what falls out. Um, but I like to have we have a number, and that is we want thirty guests plus about three or four editors as well if we can get them as guests. <laughs> um, so if um, if we don't get all the guests that we want, I'll then look through emails that I've received from people who want to come. And we do get emails from people who want to be guests. Um, I've always I've always thought that a little odd because to me a guest is somebody who's invited. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but um, but it's always nice to have that um, that pool of people. And there, we do have a lot of really supportive uh, creators in the industry in the UK and in Europe who always want to come to the show and do their thing. And that's incredible. You know, you couldn't you couldn't do a show without that. Uh, but yeah, we go we go all all around. We do send out lots of invites. I mean, um, I think Mike, I invited you, didn't I? You didn't you didn't ask to come. <laughs> I didn't, no, <laughs> it was an official invitation. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, we, we saw like the, the news about aftershock and just thought, wow, that's really cool. Um, a new a new comic company who were doing create your own stuff. And I was incredibly curious about what Aftershock were doing. So I thought, well, so surely everybody else is going to be very curious about it as well. So we've got to get these guys over. Yeah. Well, it was that's, funny uh, because, uh, great because that's, where, that's where I was going to go to next yeah. uh, in terms of uh, invited guests. Um, obviously, um, an exciting time for you, uh, Mike, uh, with the creation of Aftershock Comics. Um, you're the editor-in-chief for the uh, for this uh, new comics company, uh, how long has it right. been kind of like gestating at this point? Well, there's like about five other partners that are involved in the company, and you know they've been putting this company together for I don't know maybe like the last year, year and a half. Um, all guys who were hardcore comic book fans uh, throughout their lives, but each of them worked in different industries. Um, Somewhere in social media, somewhere in technology, some in film, some in television, some in distribution. Um, and they all kind of came together um, and uh, started assembling their creative team. They, they started with Joe Pruitt, uh, formerly of Caliber and uh, Desperado, um, and hired him on as the chief creative officer. Um, and Joe is somebody who I had worked with um, on and off over the years, uh, mostly in an editor-writer capacity. Joe had done quite a bit of writing for me um, during one of my stints at Marvel Comics, um, working on some X-Men movie stuff and Magneto, and uh, he was kind of a, a really good pinch hitter for me. Um, pardon the, the baseball analogy. Um but uh, he would come in and help out uh, quite a bit from time to time when I needed um, help with scripting or some plotting. Um, and he's, he's a guy that I've kept in touch with over the years. And uh, the last piece of the puzzle was the editor-in-chief position. And um, Joe had recommended me to the partners. And um, I got to speaking with them. And, uh, you know, I'll be honest, uh, at, at first I was – a little skeptical and wary because it was a startup and I was working at Marvel Comics, which, you know, is the biggest entertainment publisher in the world, um, and really enjoying what I was doing, working on X-Men and Guardians of the Galaxy and, and everything. But um, the the partners are really what convinced me to join. Um, they were a bunch of like-minded individuals, and I, I shared with their vision. Um, and 
I really bought into the the type of comics that they wanted to create and uh, the allure of building something, building a company and building stuff from scratch uh, was just too uh, too big a carrot for me, so I, I needed to go and do it. Excellent. Uh, I, I suppose, the, like um, uh, as Shane has said, he invited you along to, uh, to ICE and uh, was extremely excited uh, to see what you uh, were going to bring to, uh, to ICE. What do you think um, a new comics company... Uh, what do they, what kind of impression do you think they make at Comic Cons nowadays, especially at this formative point? I mean, what do you, what did you personally get out of uh, an event like ICE? Well, it's funny. Uh, you know, I was I was talking to to Shane the first day of the uh, the convention, and um, it was weird timing because all of our solicit information for our first month of comics uh, was going to be coming out six days after the show or five days after the show. So I was on like this precipice like where I could almost <laughs> announce everything that we were doing, but not quite announce what we were doing. Um, so uh, I think that actually was, was a great um, a great test for me because uh, what I needed to do at ICE was to really sell uh, the identity of Aftershock Comics, the brand of Aftershock Comics and the mission statement without really showing any of the assets, any of the content, any of the creative material. Um, and, and I had I had a good time doing that um, because it really allowed me to just talk about the company itself uh, and to help make that first impression to to fans, to retailers, uh, to creators. Um, so, uh, you know, it was all about first impressions, really. I mean, building, I was going to the system. building Building the excitement. For, for what you're doing. Uh, it seems uh, smart, a very smart move. <laughs> so it's paid off. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, was, it was really nice. You know, I mean, there's been some uh, announcements that we've done over the past few months related to creators uh, and, and to what uh, type of things we were trying to do and certainly about the, the birth of the company. But at ICE, it was it was almost it was like a coming out party, and you know the ability to actually meet everybody, and you know whether they were fans or creators, and you know actually put a physical, uh, you know, face and conversation to the whole idea of aftershock. Um, so it was, it was a really wonderful uh, kind of first step in talking to people about the company. So, um, I, I mean, obviously coming to the UK to do that um, is an interesting step. Uh, I'm kind of thought, thinking back to uh, that sort of mid-1980s with the Americans coming over and looking at uh, English talent and talking to English talent and bringing them over to uh, uh, the US. Uh, was there a lot of networking at ICE in terms of talking? I mean, I, I, when I was in the panel for Aftershock, I was interested to see that it was a lot of creators and uh, people of the trade more than anything uh, that were yeah, in the room. Absolutely. I mean, I was lucky enough to find the next Neil Gaiman, Alan Moore, and Dave Gibbons all in this, <laughs> this one trip to Birmingham. Um, I, I, I wish. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it was, yeah, it, it was fantastic. Um, Shane really assembled a, a great, diverse group of creators, um, Men, women of all different ages, levels of experience, backgrounds. Um, but you put all this together in a setting like that, 
and we just love sitting around and talking shop and everyone instantly becomes friends um, and it, it's very intimate. It, it's a really great experience um, because, you know, during the day you're there meeting the readers and fans and interacting with them. And then kind of after hours, everyone gets together, the creators, and we get to share war stories. We get to share ideas. We get to share, share ideologies. Um, and, and that's one of the best things about a show like this. It's just the, the coming together of creators um and, and just sharing the experiences and sharing the love of comic books and, and the creation of comic books. Do you think that that's why you're getting the caliber of talent you are because of your ideologies for? Yeah, I, I think some of it is, is, is really just, you know, the basic foundations of our company and what we're trying to do. We're, we're focusing on, on story first. Um, we, we want to make the best possible comic book stories for readers to, uh, to, to dive into. Um, we're assembling the best talent pool. And whether that means it's, uh, guys and girls who have years of experience in the industry or it's the rising stars of tomorrow, these are people that we are handpicking and, and saying, you know, these, these are the best of, of the group out there. Um, and then we're also uh, going forth uh, with a certain level of intelligent risk um, so that, you know, anything that we do, we're going to try to do a little differently or try to do something that hasn't been done before or challenge ourselves to uh, tell a better story or to bring a different type of creator into the fold. Um, so we want to do the unexpected. We want to take chances. Um, I think, you know, that those basic foundations are certainly attractive to a lot of creators out there. And that, that may be why we've, we brought in such a good group for our inaugural launch. Um, and I, I think it also kind of goes to the, the address books that both Joe Prude and I have developed <laughs> over, you know, a combined 50 years experience between the two of us. So. Uh, you know, just a little uh, thick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what's what's good is that you know Joe, you know Joe's work in publishing and my work in publishing were both very different. Um, you know, I, I worked at DC for a decade and Marvel for a decade, so I, I was very focused on mainstream comic books, superheroes, you know, tights and capes and everything. Um, and Joe, you know, Joe was always working you know, kind of with a more independent mindset and, um, you know, he's has an Eisner. Um, many of his books were up for Eisners over the years. So, you know, we bring very different address books to the table and, and I think combined, um, it just kind of resulted in fantastic results, uh, with the type of talent we've been able to bring in. I've got a question that's come in on uh, Twitter, uh, asking, uh, it's actually several uh, tweets to ask the question, so bear with it. Um, certainly asking about um, your coming to ICE, and it was more uh, and kind of like uh, that first waving of the flag. Here we are, and this is what we're doing. Um, how important do you think it is to have the talent that you've um, assembled on hand? And does that pose a problem for Aftershock when so much of your talent pool also has commitments with other publishers? Well, I think that, you know, these days so many of the creators out there uh, are working for multiple companies, and I think that's a healthy thing for the industry. It uh, it raises the bar for everyone. Uh, it brings the level of competition up. 
And when people are, are working for different publishers, it really forces, forces you as a company to, to try to do better. Um, so I, I love the fact that Justin Jordan is writing for two other companies. Um, I like the fact that, you know, some guys are working at Marvel or some girls are working at DC. It, um, it, it, I think it makes for better product all around. Uh, Mike, yeah, sorry, uh, Shane, sorry. Uh, I wanted to ask you a question as well about uh, bringing guests to a convention as well, especially when it comes to international guests, because you had uh, a number from uh, the US and outside of uh, uh, Europe, including uh, people like Bob Layton. Um, how important would you say it is uh, UK cons now, because um, it's growing at the same kind of explosion that the American uh, cons are, to have American uh, comic uh, creators come over, or can a con really exist with just UK talent? I think that's dependent on what the con wants to achieve. Um, for us, we're, we, you know, we are labelled as an international event, so to not have international guests would be <laughs> a, very know, good point. <laughs> a bit silly. <laughs> yeah. um, I, think, I think there are cons, there's quite a few cons out there who don't have international guests, um, but they're great little cons, and they support the British industry. Um, I don't think there's any problem with that. I think a con can exist very healthily without international guests. Um, obviously, you're not going to attract the same numbers, um, because fans want to meet people they're not going to meet at any other con. Um, so if you have someone like you know, Bob Layton, or if, if you manage to get somebody like, I don't know, Jim Steranko, or somebody like that, you know, it's, you're going to get more people because it's exciting. Um, but if, you're, if you've structured your convention um, so that your, your budget you know, enables you to exist in that way, and I don't see any problem with it at all. I think I think it really does depend on each individual con. There are so many now, and each one sort of has their own approach and their own identity. Uh, you, I mean, you were talking about numbers. Uh, what how, what were your numbers uh, this year? I mean, I understand that you, you definitely exploded over the, uh, the course of 12 months since last year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the first year, it was very much a sort of inaugural test, as it were. I think about um, 350 paying fans. Um, so we were a tiny little con. Um, this year it went up to 750. Um, so it's more than double. Um, and we're looking to double again next year uh, as we grow slowly uh, but confidently. I think if, you know, we're, not, we're trying not to collapse under our own weight. We don't ha- want to have to turn people away, uh, things like that. We don't want overcrowding. We don't want massive queues. Um, so we're, we're building up the, the marketing and building up the branding gradually so that everybody who comes to the show um, gets a really good experience um, and not waiting around just to see people. Um, so obviously that may mean changes of venues, um, it may mean changes of dates, but um, yeah, we, we're growing but at a steady pace. When you kind of plan your uh, the con ahead I mean you were talking there about the the, the slew of uh, events that are happening now and you kind of do have to kind of find that right slot uh, now is it more a case of in conventions in the UK where you're having to kind of do that kind of balancing act uh, with other cons that are happening now that you have to in, in, if anything to uh, kind of make sure that talent is available because you the uh, other these other events that are taking place. Well, that's it. I mean, there are there is a, there is sorry a, a finite 
number of guests that you can have. Um, if you've got you know, 60 <laughs> other cons going on in the year, there's going to be a point where um, there's going to be issues with guest availability and also have to consider American cons as well. I mean, if, we, if we're inviting Americans, then we can't really clash with a major American con. We were very close to San Diego. It was my own fault. I, I messed up. and We were the week after San Diego <laughs> last year, which uh, probably explains why we... Uh, you know, we weren't massive, but <laughs> but you, you know, you, you you have to consider these things. Um, uh, I think next year we may be quite close to Baltimore, for example. Um, and you know, if you, these serious shows, uh, American creators can't miss them. You know, for them, it's sometimes an essential thing to attend these shows. So you can't clash with them. So yeah, you have to look at American shows. You have to look at the major European as well as the other British shows. Um, I don't want to clash with uh, you know neighbouring shows because they all do a great job and I don't think it serves anybody to you know go up against each other in such a way that you're both losing visitors or losing guests uh, because you clash. So I try and look at what everybody else is doing. We try and keep in touch. Thankfully, I'm good friends with most of the other organisers out there, um, so we sort of try and work together if we can. What is your uh, so like convention? year. Do you get the chance to go to other events and uh, are there any others that kind of like jump out at you which you've just gone, I like that idea, I, you know, just cherry pick that. So what, what, what do you get up to in the, uh, the 12 months in between ICES? Well, um, as a publisher, um, I do attend cons as an exhibitor. Um, so I do have some knowledge of what it's like to be an exhibitor as well. <laughs> um, I always go to Thorball. Um, I tried to go to Nice, although I missed it yesterday, unfortunately. Uh, um, and I like to try and go to some of the little ones as well, just to see what's going on and to meet creators, to meet other exhibitors. So poach, that's the honest answer. <laughs> poach exhibitors and poach creators. Um, um, but yeah, and I, I went to the other Birmingham con as well this year, which was great fun. Um, they had some really interesting guests. Um, so it's uh yeah it's, it's it's a full year really i try and attend as many as i can i try and exhibit at some if i can um but i can't do every one uh, because i do have a full-time job as well <laughs> so i'm unable to go to every single con um which is a shame because i'd love to i'd love to go to every con and, and meet everybody <laughs> well, I, think I, I, I totally agree with that one i'd like to do that as well <laughs> um yeah. me, mike um when it came to choosing the con that you wanted to um, kind of like uh, introduce Aftershock app, ICE is, um, well, number one, it's an interesting con that you chose um, a, a UK con to attend, but also interesting that it was um, a smaller event. What kind of, where, what's the kind of plans that you have in terms of attending cons before launch? When, actually, that's a good question. When is the kind of first launch of an Aftershock book? December is the first month where uh, we have a wave of titles coming out, um, and we have basically one a week uh, during that month. Um, four new number ones, uh, which you know we just announced um, this past week through the Diamond solicitations and also on uh, CVR, Comic Book Resources. Um, but you know, with with the different shows, it's uh, it, it's it's really. Um, a lot of decision making that goes into that. Um, you know, being a new company, we would like to be at every show we can, but we're 
small numbers right now. So uh, we can only spread out so much, and you know we have to be strategic about what shows we do. Um, certain ones we can't miss, like New York Comic Con or San Diego. Um, we were at San Diego this past year, not with a booth, but uh, all of us were there and taking meetings, and it was really productive for us. Uh, we'll be at New York Comic Con in a few weeks. Uh, we'll be at Baltimore uh, this coming week, uh, primarily for the retailer part of it, because uh, it's important for us right now to establish great relationships with the retailers. Uh, so we'll be going and, and meeting them this week in Baltimore. Um, but you know, it's uh, it, it's it's a lot of decision making. It's 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 pretty difficult um, to figure out which shows to go to because there there are so many good ones uh, these days. I can also imagine as well, just kind of like working out a budget uh, for this as well, because I, I know that um, Sony um, uh, appearing at San Diego is a very expensive proposition. So, uh, yes. I can imagine as well that Aftershock are sat in front of a, uh, a spreadsheet and looking at the uh, the various cons and working out how on earth to afford as a startup. Absolutely, yes, yeah. Is budget plays a huge part and. Uh, you know, hotels are not cheap and flights are not cheap, especially uh, at, at the bigger shows these days. Um, sometimes you get lucky and you get invited as a guest, uh, as, uh, as, as Shane invited me over, uh, and that's always that's always a plus. Uh, but as a company, yeah, it's 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 very much comes down to uh, to budget. Will you have a booth at New York Con? Not this year. No, you know we talked okay. about that a lot, and uh, because it will be. Six or seven weeks before the product comes out, we again this was you know a budgetary decision. We felt that it was more important for us to be there, uh, interacting with retailers and creators. Um, and then next year, when we have a lot of product out, uh, a table would be you know the wise move and and to actually showcase the 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 work that we have. I was looking. I was looking forward to seeing some of the initial work, you know, mock-ups that that mm-hmm. you had for uh, the the books that are coming out in December. Drat. <laughs> well, you know, we'll have plenty of stuff to show. I mean, we will have everything with us, and a lot of our creative mm-hmm. talent pool will be there too. Um, so it, it will be exciting. But uh, I think you know, 2016 will be a, a very big year for us in terms of showcasing the books that we have. I've got a question that's come in on the Q and A, um, asking about Aftershock and what the kind of what the eventual model of the uh, the company is looking at. It's good, what is going to make it stand out from other publishers as a startup? Um, the question is: It appears to be shaping itself very much on the image comics template, with strong creator-led titles and an anthology title, which is still quite a rarity in American comics. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people have asked this question over the past few weeks, and uh, I'm careful to say that we are in no way looking to be the next Image Comics. We're looking to be the first Aftershock Comics. Um, and uh, that needs to go on a button or a T-shirt. Very, very. Yeah, cool. we'll get them printed up. In New York. Um, we we are right now focusing primarily on creator-owned comics, and I would say that of all the projects we have in development, it's you know close to 90, 95 percent uh, creator-owned. Um, we we feel that the um, arrangements we have set up with our creators make it a more creator-friendly place to come and do your projects. Um, and will that be the only thing that our company does? Probably not. We may be moving into other areas over the next few years. 
but for now, for 2015 and 16, our focus is primarily on creator-owned. I was also going to bring it back to uh, conventions as well, because um, obviously you've got um, quite the experience and quite the resume working for a number of uh, uh, companies. Um, what have, what's been your experiences of conventions on the other side of the table? Uh, what's uh, kind of uh, been any highlights for yourself <laughs> over the years? Uh, <laughs> I, I thought we weren't supposed to talk about uh, all of our secret <laughs> stories at conventions. Um, you know, what, ha- what happens at New York Comic Con stays at New York Comic Con. <laughs> right. we, do we, we don't follow that line here. No, no, no. So, yeah, any, yeah, any, any highlights from uh, your events, uh, uh, your attending of cons? Well, you know, it's for an editor or a publisher, it's always an opportunity to uh, search for talent. Uh, that's that's a big part of why we are there. Um, and. You know, it, it, there's been a number of times over the years where, you know, you remember that one show where you met a certain creator and established a relationship and, you know, now you look on years later and they've grown into, you know, superstar. Um, you know, I can remember going to, uh, Barcelona in 2003 and meeting Guillaume March for the first time and David Aja and, um, uh, Victor Santos and a few other people. And I see all the work that they do these days and it's, it's kind of, you know, crazy to think that, uh, 12 years ago, they were sitting across me at a uh, portfolio review table, you know, <laughs> trying to get a job, and and you know now they, you know, these these guys and girls can write their own tickets in the industry. So you do pay attention to the portfolio review, uh, they, the reviews that you do at, at the conventions. Then have you hired a lot of people from them? Uh, I, I would say a, a lot, probably not a lot, but mm-hmm. it's. Um, it's a small percentage that actually break through and are able to to get jobs, you know, mm-hmm. where they're going to see stuff in print. But every single person you meet, you never know where they're going to go from year to year. And there's been a bunch of different occasions where I might meet somebody one year and um, I see potential or, or the start of something, but they're not quite ready. And, and I'll say, keep practicing and send me your stuff and send me your stuff. Um, you know, that was the case with Guillaume March when I first met him. You know, he was, he was still kind of green, um, and, and a rookie when I met him. And I, I encouraged him to keep sending me his artwork. And the next year it got better and the next year it got better. And then by year three, I was ready to hire him for a short story, uh, in X-Men Unlimited. And, um, you know, and then from there his, his career blossomed, um, so yeah, it's uh, it's always important. You know, every single person you meet, you never know how they're going to mature as an artist. I can imagine at ICE you got yourself a fair amount of business cards uh, or uh, art packets, just kind of. Uh, I did yeah, yeah, away. and actually the the talent pool in Birmingham was great. Um, so many, you know, a, a lot of the people that came in and showed me their artwork. Um, you know, they were very professional. They'd uh, self-published work, you know, had already been printed. So it was a really good range of people, range of talent. Uh, one funny bit, though, was, you know, I was in the middle of my portfolio reviews in Birmingham, and uh, uh, I was interviewing one guy, and then Bob Layton 
uh, who's an old friend of mine, came into the room and decided to do a guest portfolio review with me. Um, so no we kind pressure. of, we, yeah, we kind of tag teamed and, uh, you know, Bobby, the personality he is, you know, he, you know, he quickly took over the room. Um, so that was, that was actually a lot of fun. And, you know, the normal portfolio reviews last maybe, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes at most. Um, you know, Bob would not let this guy go. You know, he, he, he had, you know, so many different things to say. And, uh, you know, I, I could see, you know, Shane's staff sitting outside the room, like looking at their watch and being like, how long is Bob Layton going to talk? And so that was. But it's uh, Bob Layton. Exactly. Exactly. School's in session. And, uh, and this kid knew it. You know, he was like, I, I, I better listen to what Bob is saying. Good. I can imagine the color just draining from his face. <laughs> He he was all he was you know full attention he was he was ready to learn so that was uh, that was one of the highlights from Birmingham for sure. What, what's the kind of um, networking at uh, ICE would you say, Shane? Is there is there a, a lot of people talking to each other? Because the one thing I did notice in the kind of like the atrium in the kind of like uh, the 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 bar area, there was a lot of talking, a lot of just dis- discussion and debate. Do you find that a lot of people kind of Make those connections at conventions, or it, I think that's what what the question is kind of becoming. It, conventions are slightly changing from 2010, 2009, where it's now becoming a bunch of fans coming together. Can conventions still be that talent pool where they a lot of networking happens? I think if you design it that way, yes. I think you know, as I said before, we've designed ICE to be a convention like that. So. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, I spent some time in the atrium bar myself, um, talking to creators and uh, enjoying the beverages. Um, and yeah, you could see, th- you know, magic happening. You can see people meeting for the first time. Um, think things come out of those sessions. You know, they really do. Mm-hmm. You have the the formal portfolio reviews and stuff like that, which which you know you, you need to do that stuff. But a lot of the stuff occurs in the bar. You know, it's just one creator, me and another creator. I've always wanted to work with you. I've got this great idea for this story. Oh, I'd love to draw that. Uh, oh, there's a publisher over there. Let's go and get him. Um, you know, distributors are there. Everybody's there, you know, to make this stuff happen. And I think if you put all the right ingredients into the cake, you get something nice and tasty, you know. Um, and that's what ice is, nice and tasty. <laughs> I was very, I was also very impressed as well with the uh, the panel lineups that you uh, got together with, uh, getting Geek Syndicate involved to put uh, a, a series of uh, panels together, um, and also, I mean, I was in with the 2008 E panel, which was just uh, a fantastic uh, experience to have uh, uh, the the Dread Boys up on yeah. uh, stage. Um, whether when it comes to the panels, uh, what's do you how do you cre- uh, curate those? Is it a case of okay, I'm going to give them to somebody and there's the room, do what you want with it, or do you, are you a little bit more hands on? Um, I try and be hands on, yeah. Um, I think part of a, sh- a really important part of the convention is the panels. So as I want to try and shape the event, um, I want to try and shape the, the flavour of the panels as well. Um, if that makes me a control freak, <laughs> so be it. Um, but um, the Geek Syndicate guys, I approached them, I think. Uh, they'd done stuff for me before. In fact, I think they did a live podcast for the first time at a con at, at BIX 2008. 
uh, with Essart and 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 Addy. So th- th- we we'd done stuff before and we'd done first before, and I really wanted to work with them again. And I come to them with the idea of doing a full day of programming, um, and obviously they could use it on their podcast as well. And I think they were a little bit concerned that it was a long day of you know <laughs> hard work. Um, and they were right. <laughs> I think they, I think they were quite exhausted at the end. Bless them. Uh, but they did an absolutely brilliant job. Um, I don't know. If, like you say you went to the dread panel, um, which I believe was absolutely packed. It was. Um, it was also interesting yeah, as well to see that as people were filing in and they were sort of like really getting into the because the whole the theme of the dread panel was uh, should Judge Dread finally take the long walk? So that they was yeah. basically facing an entire room of people going. No. Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> not a bit uh, challenging. That wasn't my idea, I hasten to add. That was Barry's idea. I, the title of the... I, I just said, yeah, we've got to do a dread panel. And he said, and he said, oh, what... You know, I did come up with the idea of, you know, talking about the relevance of the character today. Um, uh, and then Barry sort of formed that into should he, you know, take the long walk. And I just... And I did think... I was a little bit worried that there might there might be, you know, violence... But uh, yeah, the, 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 the judges were there to keep things in order. You saw the, you saw the headline on the the uh, the the, the, um, the the panel listing, and you, it really was a case of okay, come to this panel or Dread gets it, and it, yeah. <laughs> it kind of got a bit. And but yeah, like you say, the the uh, judge Dread uh, cosplayers did show up and stand at the back of the room. And if uh, you li- you listen to the audio that I recorded, <laughs> uh, the two of them looked at the back of the room and suddenly. Pretty much filled their trousers as this line of Judge Dredd just kind of in- intimidated them rather heavily. It was quite a, quite, quite a moment. Um, you're talking about uh, guests, and obviously you're talking about uh, you're planning for uh, uh, 2016. Uh, can you reveal anyone that you've been speaking to at this point? I can. Um, there are there are some people that I'm talking to who I can't actually confirm. Um, as Mike's already said, I'm talking to Mike about next year, um, and and to Joe as well, because um, we want to continue to support what AfterShock are doing. We want we want to you know we want to do good things with these guys. Um, and I've also um, I can announce that we've got Carl Potts um, confirmed um, for both events. He's going to be uh, there as a guest on the Saturday, um, and he's also um, going to be doing a class on the Sunday um, and I, can, I can say that that is going to be a, a fantastic event uh, I've taken um, Carl's uh, storytelling class and it is, it's amazing so ah, that's, there you go. That, yeah, it's going to be great for anyone who attends thanks for that Mike <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean the, the guy's reputation is second to none you know um, he approached me um, about coming over and um, straight away, uh, and he approached me sort of a little bit late to come to this year's show, uh, but I really wanted him uh, to come. Uh, so we kept in touch and we talked about ideas, and um, I got in touch straight away after this show, show was over, and straight away, yeah, he came back to me and said, yeah, I want to be part of it, uh, which is fantastic. So he's our first um, major US name. Um, we have also got... Um, some returning names. I can confirm that Charlie Adlard will be returning. Um, Carlos and John are both coming back. For all those dread fans out there. Well, that was that um, was very cool as well because yeah, I mean it's very rare that you actually get the pair of them in the same room together. So it's it's excellent yeah, to have them yeah. uh, 
and uh, yeah, Carlos is always. Yeah, well, they there. had a great time. They enjoyed themselves, you know. And th- th- this is the thing that we try and do with Ice as well: is that we want the guests to have as much fun as the fans. That's really important for us. Um, well, as I've heard about the after the after hours events as well, in this which I'm. <laughs> So upset that I missed this year, but there we go. <laughs> Next year. Yeah, I mean that they are great fun. They are great fun. <laughs> Excellent. Um, I do know that you are kind of needing to to vanish at some point, so I, I, I will let you go if you if you need to. But uh, um, actually, um, the the band rehearsal was uh, cancelled tonight. So, oh, fantastic! Uh, okay, I can, I can stick around until you're sick of me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, is there any other questions from yourself, Alyssa? Because I've got a couple which um, I wanted to ask, but uh, I'll go to I, you. I don't have any. I'm massively distracted by the New York ticket sales, which are happening as we speak, and they've gotten through their gazillion block line and still have tickets available, and they've got about one more block of people to go. So that's that really is a highlight that they that they the New York City booked set aside that many tickets to sell at Midtown Comics. So, hence my distraction. It's not because of you guys. You guys are wonderful, and I love hearing your stories. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's uh, something we could talk about with Mike uh, in terms of, yeah, mm-hmm. what's coming up in terms for New York Comic Con. Three weeks and counting, uh, he, he says. About, I think that's about right. Um, what, about right. What, what have you got in store in terms of the, the talent pool that you're going to be bringing to... Uh, NYCC. We're actually really lucky. We have about 14 or 15 of our creators uh, who are doing work for Aftershock that will be at New York Comic Con. Um, so this is going to be a great opportunity for us to uh, interact with them, plan out the rest of the year uh, story-wise. Um, well, I think this is a good, a good opportunity to actually rattle through some of those incredible names that you've got uh, kind of lined up. Sure, yes. Well, uh, at New York, we'll have Garth Ennis, who is, you know, one of our leaders. Uh, he has a book coming out called Dreaming Eagles, which is a World War II book, uh, with UK artist Simon Colby. Um, so it's gonna be fantastic working with both those guys. Um, we announced a book called Insects with Marguerite Bennett and Ariella Christentina, uh, two great female creators who are, you know, doing a really daring story, uh, and, and this is a daring project. Um, and, uh, Marguerite will be at New York Comic Con. Uh, Marguerite. Yeah, she, she's fantastic. Uh, you know, she's, you know, someone who really just, uh, um, you know, just came into her own over the past few years. Uh, she was recommended to me by Scott Snyder when I was working with him on Batman. And, uh, I hired her for some Batman work and, and then when I, I got to Marvel, she was working for me there. She's just, uh, amazing, uh, really good talent. And, um, we have, uh, of course, Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor writing a book called Super Zero, um, with, uh, relative newcomer Raphael De La Torre on artwork, but his artwork, I think, is really going to impress people. This is one of those rising stars of tomorrow that I was talking about earlier. Um, and uh, both Jimmy and Amanda will be at New York Comic Con, and uh, and then the uh, the fourth title in our initial launch is called Replica, which is written by Paul Jenkins and art by UK artist Andy Clark, uh, and we are this close to having Paul come to New York Comic Con. Uh, we're pretty sure he's going to be there. 
Uh, so we were really well represented, um, especially with our, our first month of, of books. Um, and then, of course, um, we recently announced Brian Azzarello coming to do a monthly series at Aftershock. Uh, he'll be at New York Comic Con as well. Yeah. Will you have a panel and uh, talk about some of these individual books that are that are um, being in, released in December? Cool. No, we were actually a little late uh, in getting into the panel at New York Comic Con. We uh, we were really hoping um, to get a panel there, but uh, we were a little too late. Ah, Trent, I would have loved to have heard from the creators uh, about the individual books that they're they're coming to see. That would have been wonderful. Drat. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> so how can how can a general fan um, talk to and or uh, learn more about these books at New York? Is there going to be since you don't have a table and there's no panel? I hate to put you on the spot that way, but I'm I'm curious. If, no, if absolutely. I mean, it, you know, that's one of the things we've been talking about a lot. And, um, you know, because the entire uh, team of, uh, of of Aftershock will be there, the uh, the executive team, uh, we're going to be on the floor almost the entire time uh, interacting with many different people, creators, fans, um, retailers, and really just, you know, grassroots guerrilla warfare, you know, one-on-one type of interaction, um, <laughs> spreading the gospel, uh, so to speak. So follow you Sometimes on Twitter. You know. <laughs> yeah, you know, follow me on Twitter uh, at Mike Martz, or uh, as this little banner here says, at Aftershock Comics with an X. Um, yeah, and we'll be certainly you know uh, delivering a lot of news over the next few weeks. And also fully expect to be uh, confronted by people with flyers outside of the uh, c- uh, convention center as well, <laughs> letting people know uh, what uh, as uh, as much as they possibly can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very much looking forward to seeing. I mean, I'm very much curious to uh, for reading the anthology because, like I said uh, earlier, it's it's still quite a rarity to see um, a comics publisher doing a, an anthology. I think actually, yeah, but especially with the, the the people you've got involved, Neil Gaiman uh, doing work on on the anthology, I'm I'm very excited to see what you come up with. The, yeah, I mean, the, the anthology is, is really something that is Joe Pruitt's forte. Uh, he did such an amazing job with Negative Burn over the years and brought so many good talents um, to to that title. And the Aftershocks anthology will certainly be a little different from that, but it's it's that same type of approach, uh, bringing a device, diverse group of, of talent in to, to one place and really just saying, like, do your best, um, you know, do, do whatever you want, and, um, and let's see what kind of magic we can create. Cool. Uh, I think that what I would like to ask then as a, a kind of wrap-up to the, the conversation is definitely to the pair of you, uh, to Mike, uh, well, also to Alyssa as well, uh, as a, a, an attendee. Um, obviously, over the last sort of five, six years, com- com- comics convention culture has just exploded to the extent where sites like myself and forums like Friends of CCI, it, an infrastructure has grown up around a, the convention culture. Um, but that's also talking about the uh, the bubble, which uh, people do talk about in terms of this explosion of pop culture. Where, where do you see conventions going and where can you see the, um, the relationship with comics publishers, especially when it comes to those which are self-published 
and are dealing with just comics. Where can you see conventions certainly go? I know that's a bit of a no, hmm, I, I, question. I, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll jump in first. Um, you know, it's funny, you, you talk about the bubble, and I think it's something that you know, we're all very aware of and you know, wondering how, how far can we go and, and how many shows can, can exist. Um, but uh, we haven't hit the limit yet. Uh, I mean, you know, the last few years, like you said, there's just been this explosion of conventions uh, in the U.S., in the U.K., around the world. And um, it's, it, it's something where it's, it's impossible for every publisher to be at all these shows. Um, and it's impossible for all the creators to be at all the shows. Um, in fact, I'd rather the creators stay home and, and draw their pages. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I think I think what we see is that you know that this this pop culture boom is just exploding, and all these different cities can support these shows because you know they're all they're all local, and. Um, you know, maybe you always hear about those people. I'd love to go to San Diego, but you know, I just can't afford it or I can't get out there. Well, now maybe they don't have to because Denver has a con and Australia has a con and, you know, the wizard shows are all around the country. So, I mean, there's so many different opportunities for people to, to, to go in and, and now they have their own show, which is really a great experience, I think. Um, and it's, uh, what I would personally like to see, I would like to see that that expansion of conventions and that expansion of pop culture translate to an expansion of sales uh, <laughs> within the industry, uh, because you know the industry has certainly been been healthy uh, the past few years. But I, I'd like to see it grow more. I mean, why why can't we get all those people who run out to see the Avengers movie to pick up the Avengers comic book? Um, I, I think we we can get there, but we're we're not there yet. It's a good. It's a very good point. I think Mike, uh, sorry, Shane. I think it's a very similar question to yourself, which I put, but it's slightly different in terms of um, when it comes to putting on a small convention or putting on a convention like ICE. When you have certain companies kind of creating events all over the UK, um, can what what do you see in terms of the uh, convention landscape in the UK when you have uh, people like um, MCM, so making massive strides uh, throughout the course of the year. I mean, does how does it bounce off that kind of explosion? I think um, I think cons survive because every con has its own identity. Um, I think MCM serves a very large audience. Um, that audience being mostly uh, people who have an interest in pop culture in general. Which is fine, you know, that's great. And they get very big numbers. Um, but what ICE serves is people who love comics. Um, and I think there will always be people who just love comics. Or love comics and all that other stuff. <laughs> um, I think looking into the future, um, I think there will be some conventions that fall by the wayside. Um, it might be a little bit of, you know, survival of the fittest. Um, because... People will want to see something different at every con. Uh, I, I've heard a lot of fans come to me and say, "Well, what are you offering? What what are you doing that other cons aren't doing? Who can I see that, you know, things like that?" Um, so it's really that's hard work. That's where the hard work comes in. And I think there are some people who put on cons perhaps who do it for a bit of fun, um, and that's fine. Um, and, I, and more power to them. And it's great to see all these local cons around that service everybody. Um, 
But if you want to survive as a con, I think you do need to offer something different. And I think as it develops and the bubble gets bigger, um, I don't think it'll burst. I think it'll it'll slowly leak, and you know it'll lose a few conventions along the way. Um, but I, but I think now that you know uh, superheroes and some of the other things that are popular in comics, you know, because obviously comics offer a lot more than just superheroes, um, but those things that are popular in culture now um, will remain popular for a very long time. We're in a cycle where, you know, those things are, are very attractive to a lot of people. Um, but it'll go around in circles, you know. Um, I think, uh, you know, as, as people are getting sick of certain things, they get sick of zombies, you know, they get, and people are getting sick of superhero movies. And But something else will come up, you know. Something else will come up that's popular in entertainment and conventions will be there, ready to adapt to those to those needs, um, and as I think MCM in particular are very good at seeing what is popular and focusing their conventions around that popularity. They're not tied into comics. They're not tied into zombies. They're not tied into superheroes. They're just looking at what's popular. You know, if um, you know if, if if knitting became popular, I'm sure they'd put on <laughs> knitting conventions. <laughs> I wouldn't be and at that, all surprised. <laughs> and that's how they survive, and that's how they flourish, and, and great, you know? Um, but, but ICE is very much about comics, and it will always be about comics. Um, so if people stop being interested in comics, then we'll just go away. But as long as there's an interest in the medium, which I think there will always be, um, well, in my lifetime anyway, um, then ICE will be there. I think the one thing that I'm very encouraged about in terms of the fandoms that are created. It is all about story. It's all about the strength of story. And that's why I'm really excited about Aftershock Comics because the one the one thing on the remit when every time I hear Mike talk about Aftershock, it is all about the strength of story and about the, the, the talent that's involved in telling those tales. So very much looking that, forward. That was what I was going to comment on too, is, is the writer first. And I think that if the industry... Uh, continues to put the writer first in the TV and and the comics and those types of things. And we'll continue to maintain um, the high level of interest in the in the culture in the in the conventions. That's so not, not to say that the artists are completely disposable. No, <laughs> but but it's the story. It's the story that keeps people there. I also think that um, that Shane brought up an interesting point, and and that's having a mission statement. You know, finding and that's what David Glanzer has said about San Diego. It's you you find your niche, and you go for what you can do well, and people will will come, or. They won't, <laughs> you know, but it's a mission statement, and that's hard to come up with sometimes. <laughs> Which is why I think I'm just really excited uh, about Aftershock, because their mission mm-hmm. statement is so strong. And yep. uh, with that, I'd like to say, uh, Mike, thank you very much indeed for your time. I'm yeah, so you. glad that we, we, I know that we've bitten into an hour of your uh, your Sunday afternoon. So, no, that's uh, fine. And I know, I know there was a, a small head that popped up there that I'm certain is wondering why Dad is not playing with her instead of talking to the computer. So yeah, I, I've been so nervous much. that the uh, the iPad battery was going to run out this whole time, but thankfully uh, it hasn't, so she's fine. Okay. Thank you so much. Uh, one more time, uh, where can people find you and also find out more about Aftershock Comics? So uh, Aftershock Comics is on Facebook. Uh, we're on Twitter, uh, which you can see down below, at Aftershock Comics uh, with an X. 
you can also follow me on Twitter at Mike Martz. Um, and then uh, all of our, our first month solicitations are up at Diamond right now. And uh, you can watch our our news partners, whether it's CBR or Bleeding Cool, for news over the, the next few weeks. They don't actually have a Google Plus page yet, but what I'm going to do is create that and then sell it to them in about <laughs> 18 months' time when they <laughs> find really uh, So there we go. Uh, thank you very much indeed for your time, Mike. And thank you, uh, thank you very much indeed for joining us, Shane. Um, and thank you. Very You're much welcome. For, and thanks for sharing that um, information about ICE 2016. Uh, where's no the problem. best place to for people to see updates uh, as we get closer? Um, the best place is probably um, the WordPress site. Uh, I don't remember the URL, I'm afraid. It's very long-winded. <laughs> but if you go to um, our main home site, which is www.smallzone.co.uk, um, that links into all of our events. And we're also on Twitter uh, and on Facebook. Um, and both of the events are on, on Facebook as well, both Ice and Comics Uncovered. Um, and you can find all the information you need there with updates uh, on guests and all the other stuff. Excellent. Thank you very much indeed for your time, gentlemen. Uh, right, I'm going to very quickly talk to Alyssa now then about um, New York Comic Con and what we've got kind of lined up certainly in the next couple of weeks. So what's people been talking about in terms of uh, New York Comic Con on the forum? I mean, is there, I know it's still about tickets at the moment, but uh, is there anything that's been announced so far that people have been jumping on? Oh, massive amounts. Mr. Robot, um, they're doing a panel about Mr. Robot. They've got the Hammerstein Ballroom, which is happening, which is pretty close to between Madison Square Garden and the Javits Center. So a lot of people are trying to figure out how to to coordinate, um, you know, meetups. And, and another thing that a lot of people have been commenting on is – and these are people for, who are from San Diego, so they've never been to, to New York Comic Con before. They're commenting on the amount of af, um, events that are happening off-site uh, this year. They've got a, an event in Brooklyn. They've got a, um, a, a bunch of different events that are happening. So it really has expanded beyond the Javits Center. Uh, that's that's primarily what people are talking about at this point. Uh, it looks like the uh, they have not sold out of tickets at Midtown Comics yet, um, and they're they're probably about 45 minutes from the back of the line, which wow. I'm finding just amazing that they allotted that many tickets because there there had to have been probably at least 4,000 people in line. Great. For tickets. Oh yeah, I mean it was. I was seeing ticket numbers of, of you know three um, three thousand, and and they were within that that time period of having gotten there late last night. And I know that there was a lot of people who walked up this morning. So talking about the pop culture boom, there we are. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm very curious to uh, find out about what's actually being arranged for uh, New York. Uh, Super Week as well. Um, mm-hmm. There's also a, a, a bunch of, uh, I mean, because it is the, a, de- a decade of uh, New York Comic Con, so I'm very curious to see what they've got planned for this uh, kind of anniversary uh, event, which we will be finding out next week as we are going to be joined by Mike Armstrong from mm-hmm. Report, who's going to be uh, coming along and uh, talking about uh, what they've got planned for New York Comic Con. So very excited to talk to Mike next Sunday. 
in two weeks' time, uh, a exhibitor that's going to be showing up at New York Comic Con for the first time is certainly one that um, will have uh, a number of people's attention, which is Funko. Uh, they're going to be uh, having the booth for the first time at New York Comic Con, and uh, we're going to be joined by um, a representative of Funko, who's a very good friend of ours. Um, he's going to be joining us in two weeks' time to talk about uh, the exclusives, which are going to start rolling out in the next couple of days. Uh, so uh, very much looking forward to that. Uh, we've seen some of the toy... Um uh, the, some exclusives that have come out, they've come out with, uh, two, uh, uh, Godzillas, uh, six inch Funko Godzillas. Uh, not, Funko hasn't come out with them, but the other, their sister company has toys. Um, and which, they'll get me into collecting to- toys again. <laughs> I know it, and it's, you know, I've got, it's a glow yeah. in the dark Godzilla. I mean, who doesn't want that? You know? I know. Listen, I'm ju- I'm just I'm just hating them at the moment for the uh, the Star Wars ones because I was just hoping to. It's all Star Wars, and I'm just save- spending money on Star Wars, and it's just annoying me. I was I, 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 yeah, I know. I forgot to mention the guy's name. A good friend of ours, Cameron yes. Buell, is going to be joining us from Funko. That's in two weeks' time, and then in three weeks, it's Comic Con, uh, New York Comic Con itself. And hopefully we are going to be from uh, a vantage point of the uh, exhibition floor where Alyssa is going to be joined, hopefully by a couple of our friends from the Nerd Truth, depending on what they've got mm-hmm. uh, lined up that, that particular day. Mm-hmm. And also Russ Burlingame from uh, comicbook.com is going to try and uh, slip yeah. past as well to talk about the, uh, the con and about uh, what's been announced uh, over the course of that weekend. And that's it. Thank you very much indeed for joining us on Talking Comic Con. Uh, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego. Again, to my guests, to Shane, to uh, to Mike, and to Alyssa, thank you very much indeed for your time. And uh, from all of us, have the rest of a great weekend, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>